follow as the instructs. And I don't pay any mind if you try to interrupt. Yo, I got more than money could ever buy DBI. Million dollar pot, yeah. always there to watch. Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle with Hope, a wrestling podcast with a Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. My wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. On each episode, we talk about what's happening this week in wrestling currently. We talk about what happened this week in wrestling history, and then we give the go-home signal with a Wrestle with Hope word for the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. And so let's talk about what's going on this week in wrestling. And we're, we're almost about a month in now on these um, empty arena shows or these no audience shows. And it's definitely been pretty interesting because uh, for me on my end of things, you know, um, I didn't realize how reliant, you know, I was on the crowd in the building, in the facility to actually get me pumped up for what's going on in the matches. And so I've had to kind of just shift my mindset a little bit and go, okay, like, you know, this, this is going to be the way that it is for a while now. And, uh, you know, we're all dealing with, you know, the effects of COVID-19 and we're all in self-isolation one way or the other. And for as long as there's wrestling on TV, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be watching it. And so we're, you know, I mean, we're, we're watching with a different kind of mindset now, though, like a little different set of goggles. And and so, OK, well, what do these empty arena shows look like? And, uh, you know, NWA has gone on hiatus until this summer. They're going to pick back up and uh, kind of restart things this summer. And so, uh, you know, one of the alternatives that we have is AEW, AEW Dynamite. They had their show, and their empty arena show is a little bit more um, different than what WWE offers. You know, AEW has pockets of uh, wrestlers kind of scattered throughout the the facility. They're all kind of, you know, socially distant. They're all, you know, spread out pretty nice, and they're almost kind of like in in little divisions and teams, you know, throughout the audience. I really like the way that they present it, and I've and I've liked what's been going on on AEW lately in the ring as well, you know, during this. I feel like they've kind of adapted a little bit better maybe than WWE. I don't want to kind of turn this into who is better, AEW or WWE, because honestly, these circumstances and these times, we don't, you know, this isn't one of those debates that I actually want to have. You know what I mean? This is just one of those things where they could choose right now to kind of put a pause on everything and put best of footage on TV and that's it. And that would be great, you know, for some. Right now, this is one of the few things that we've got, you know, on television or online that is offering fresh new content. And you know what? For right now, you know, whether or not, you know, we know, uh, whether or not we know how long this is going to be or not, um, AEW and WWE are both committed to offering some fresh new content on TV. And as long as they're being safe and as long as they're taking care of their wrestlers, and they, you know, and the wrestlers themselves can be the judge. AEW, Tony Khan um, has gone on record saying, hey, if anybody's uncomfortable, they can, you know, they can stay. You know, they can stay home. They, they will not be affected. Their push will not be affected. And their status will not be affected if they choose to stay home. So, that being said, uh, let's jump right in. Say some AEW Dynamite results. The show opened up with a promo from Jake the Snake Roberts. By the way, Jake the Snake Roberts back in AEW as a manager this time, and this time he's managing Lance Archer. 
The show opened with a promo from Jake the Snake Roberts, who predicted that Cody will lose his TNT Championship tournament match to Sean Spears. So he won't have to face Lance Archer. Um, great promo from Jake. Jake doing the best that you know that he does. You know, being on the mic, being that mouthpiece for somebody else. I would love to see Jake the Snake Roberts stable kind of grow a little bit. And you know, as long as he is able to do it and handle it, um, maybe the recently departed Revival, if they show up at AEW, maybe Jake would be a good uh, mentor for them or or a good manager for them. Um, it in in a perfect world, Jim Cornette would be the manager of the Revival, but also in a perfect world, Jim Cornette would keep his mouth shut. So, uh, and he so he can't. He won't. He likely won't have a job in AEW. If he does have a, J, a job in AEW, I would be surprised. But um, again, you know, Jim Cornette uh, can't keep quiet, so likely he's not going to have a job in AEW. So here we go. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho, they're the commentary team. They started things off for the show. And uh, Chris Jericho, man, did a great job this whole episode as uh, being Tony Schiavone's second. Stayed in character throughout, but also offered a lot. It was really neat. Um, First match out was Lance Archer. He squashed Alan Angels. Then Hikaru Shida, she defeated Britt Baker with a running knee strike. Baker's nose got busted open during the match, and she just bled profusely. I mean, it was just not, it wasn't pretty. Uh, and she probably shouldn't have gone around just bleeding all over everybody in a time like this. But anyway, uh, the best friends, they defeated Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. The team name Best Friends was on the line here. And so the actual best friends, they won with Strong Zero on Nakazawa. And um, we got a little bit of a, of a background on Kenny Omega and Michael, Michael Nakazawa and how they actually are best friends in real life. And that was just kind of, uh, interesting and entertaining, especially since they've kind of had to make some shifts and changes to some storyline stuff that's going on right now. Another uh, John Moxley and Jake Hager video package aired. That was really awesome. And then uh, you had Matt Hardy challenging Chris Jericho to an elite deletion at the Hardy com- compound. So a um, couple things. Moxley and Hager have done a great job hyping up this match. This is the kind of stuff that I don't know if it's the circumstances or what, but AEW has knocked it out of the park. Looking forward to Hager versus Moxley. I think it's going to be a great match. I think they're going to do a great job. Um, And then on top of that, the return of Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy to, uh, to wrestling, well, to out of out of WWE and into AEW, who I think automatically they're doing some great stuff with him and automatically they're doing a great job, you know, just introducing him. And honestly with Jericho and all, um, this was, this is going to be cool. See, just like the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match, all of those things, both of them, have a lot to thank Matt Hardy for in order to be successful. So with their ultimate deletion uh, videos and movies that, that they had put out, I have no doubt that Matt Hardy is going to do a great job with elite deletion against uh, Chris Jericho. And this is the kind of stuff that I think we need to pepper these empty arena shows with just you know do some stuff that's a little bit more cinematic we can you know honestly you know here's the thing you know if we could believe a wrestler is dead and 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 come to life if we could believe that a wrestler can throw inferno and throw his hands down and fire comes from you know everywhere at any time if we have these if we believe that luchasaurus is millions of years old we could suspend our disbelief and keep pushing you know the envelope when it comes to some of these presentations i think that 
more videos like this, like the Boneyard Match, like Firefly Funhouse, like Elite Deletion, Ultimate Deletion. I think we could pepper that throughout, you know, these coming weeks, and I think it'd be really entertaining. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Brody Lee, uh, it has he defeated Lee Johnson, and uh, Brody Lee, obviously uh, the re, the I keep saying returning, but no, he moved over to AEW. Um, he used to be Luke Harper from the Wyatt family. He gone from he went from being a member of a cult to now the leader of a cult, and so Brody Lee defeated Lee Johnson. Uh, TNT Championship Tournament Finals semi semifinals match, Cody defeated Sean Spears. Spears' shoulders were counted down while he was in the figure four, giving Cody the win. The TNT Championship Tournament has been something that's really interesting and uh, looking forward to seeing that continue on. What a great way to kind of, again, take advantage of this time, introduce a brand new title. The finals will be a double or nothing. Whether or not that's going to be in front of a live audience, we're not sure yet, but uh, I'm looking forward to another championship. Can't wait to see what it looks like, too. I'm a huge fan championship belts you guys know that and so i can't wait to see what it actually looks like in real life so that'd be really cool jumping over to nxt takeover nxt takeover usa results so it's nxt nxt takeover usa some of these nxt takeover matches have been happening live uh at the uh, full sale or no not full sale live at the performance center instead of what was supposed to be during wrestlemania weekend so let's take a look at what some of these matches were. So NXT Women's Championship number one contender ladder match. The winner obviously going to face now Charlotte, who's the NXT Women's Champion. Io Shirai defeated Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Chelsea Green, and Mia Yim in the number one contendership ladder match. Shirai pie faced LeRae right off the ladder and onto another ladder, then pulled down the briefcase to win the match. Shortly after that, we saw some footage from Finn Balor and Alexander Wolfe's NXT UK match. Afterward, Finn said that both he and Walter are unable to make their next move, but when they can, he's coming for Walter's NXT UK championship. Now, uh, COVID-19 definitely affecting storylines and things that are going on with NXT UK and NXT UK roster wrestlers. And so, uh, Finn Balor versus Walter can't happen because obviously now they're separated by travel restrictions. So we're going to have to just see you know, how this plays out, especially for NXT UK. I don't know if they have an option to do these performance center type shows. So we'll see. We'll have to see how it goes for them. Uh, new tag team versus new tag team in this sure. Now I have been, I've been to NXT um, house shows over the course of you know the last couple of years, and this team has been up and ri- up and coming, up and rising. Been seeing them; they've been kind of regulated to just these house show only shows. So it's going to be interesting to see them in the um, on the big stage. Same thing with Ever Rise. Ever Rise is kind of going through the same thing. So into Shore, they defeated Ever Rise. Their new manager Malcolm Bivens. Um, their the, uh, their team then attacked Matt Riddle. So they're the team that that attacked Matt Riddle uh, last week. They won with the demolition decapitation. I can't believe it. they have demolitions old move. So uh, we'll. I don't know if they're worthy of demolitions finishing move, but we'll, we'll see where it takes them. Adam Cole cut another promo on Velveteen Dream from a relaxing outdoor location, and then uh, we were treated to some highlights on the NXT Women's Championship match at WrestleMania, where Charlotte defeated Rhea Ripley. Much to my chagrin, I was really sad about that. Um, then 
In the main event of the show, Johnny Gargano defeated Tommaso Ciampa. This match was an hour long. It was an anything-goes match. Filmed cinematically in the darkened arena, Gargano and Ciampa destroyed each other all over the building from moves off the top rope to the floor, through the tables, fighting on top of a production truck. And then Candice LeRae shows up. She declares that she hates her husband and gave him a low blow. And then Ciampa then reluctantly tried to help Gargano, which then allowed Candice to sneak up and give a low blow to Tommaso Ciampa. Gargano then revealed that he was wearing a cup and that all of this was just a ruse. Gargano hit a pedigree to win the match. After the match, Candice helped Johnny to the car and drove off while Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux were watching from another car. Hmm. What could this be? This obviously, this is their last match. Uh, Ciampa and Gargano uh, not presented the way I'm sure that they wanted it to be. But this is it. This is their last match. If they get involved with each other again, they are both out of NXT. So we'll have to see how this plays out in the future. Let's get down to some SmackDown results. Braun Strowman opened the show with a promo about winning the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. He was then interrupted by Shinsuke Nakamura, who wanted an opportunity against him. And then Cesaro tried to sneak attack Strowman, and then he failed, but it allowed Nakamura to hit a kick to Strowman's head to kind of kick off the show. The WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match featured Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating the Kabuki Warriors in their return match. Bliss punched Kyrie Sane in the face, and Cross followed up with a neckbreaker to win the match. Then you had Elias showing up to sing another song about King Corbin. Please, listen. Here... Here's the thing, and I love Elias. I'm a huge. I love Elias. I'm a huge Elias fan. Huge, big. Um, what's the thing about King Corbin not being able to have like a one and done match? This, I mean, WrestleMania should have been one and done, right? Elias won. Elias defeated King Corbin. You don't need to come back and sing another song about him. Let's move on, Elias, to another another match. Maybe challenge for the Intercontinental Championship or go and face you know uh, somebody else. But come on, man. Give it up on King Corbin, please. <laughs> the 25th anniversary celebration, by the way, for Triple H will begin in two weeks. I don't know if that means they're going to kind of try and take it easy on uh, some of the content in SmackDown um, or some of these other shows, but uh, we're going to get some kind of 25th anniversary um, clip show, I'm sure, about Triple H. Um, that, that's what we should actually have, is we should have... I understand that Fox and USA maybe have some kind of contractual obligation on WWE to, you know, to have these, um, you know, these shows be live and to offer a ton of content. Honestly, I just, if they had any ounce of compassion, why not just let WWE present best of shows? And then like each week, just like they have on the WWE network, why not like each week somebody else gets highlighted and then you can have like this show where it's like, hey, for the next two hours, we're going to show you um, Daniel Bryan's greatest matches in the WWE. And you have like the top three matches or whatever, you know, to show. And then it, it also highlights other wrestlers. But then here you go. You have like all the best moments featuring Daniel Bryan. Then you have all these things like same thing with like Triple H. Let this be a thing where, hey, we're going to show you Triple H's three greatest matches. And then, you know, it, it just here's some other fun things in between undertaker's greatest matches or gravest matches. I don't know. But like, anyway, it, it just, I feel like that there's an easier, th more thematic way 
that you can kind of do this. You can host it with a host on a green screen. Um, and I realize they, they, they probably are under way more pressure now because they're on Fox and USA's, you know, contracted them for a certain amount of live shows or something like that. I just, in this time, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind having a, you know, a, having a, just some of these greatest matches show up and they're already curated for me and I can just watch it and just see how it turns out. Or even like the best of the Intercontinental Championship or something. But that's just me and that's probably what the WWE Network is for. Who knows? Dolph Ziggler defeated Tucker, by the way. Before the match, Tucker showed Ziggler and Sonya Deville photos of Otis and Mandy Rose working out together. And Ziggler won with a super kick at the end of that match. And don't know where this is going. WrestleMania should be the end of these feuds, not the beginning. So that, you know, it should, it should be like the season finale. You know, it's, it's, it's boom, it's done, it's over. And then we get fresh matchups, fresh stuff. Uh, looks like to me that we're just going to end up getting like a mixed match challenge or something like that down the road. So the Miz and John Morrison, Miz and Morrison tried to perform their song. Hey, Hey live, but were interrupted, interrupted by the Usos who complained about Miz not being in the tag team championship match at WrestleMania. They were interrupted by new day and Biggie suggested that since one member of each team had a triple threat match at mania, then maybe the other three should have a triple threat together next week. So it'll be Jey Uso versus The Miz versus Biggie for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. There you have it. The Forgotten Sons, by the way, defeated Lucha House Party. The Forgotten Sons making their big debut on the main roster. Their big debut on SmackDown. I guess everything's the main roster now. But uh, Forgotten Sons defeated Lucha House Party. Steve Cutler pinned Grand Metallique after the Sons inverted DDT, the second rope Stomp combination. Um, then you had Carmella and Dana Brooke. They were asking Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for a women's tag team championship match, and the champs agreed to it. So now we'll get the the you know Carmella and Dana uh, as a team together. Um, I'm looking. I, I'm really looking forward to eventually these championships being defended in NXT. That was one of the promises back when they debuted. And so there's some great women in NXT that could use this, especially as a vehicle to get some um some FaceTime on TV. Bailey and Sasha Banks they cut a promo about Bailey's win at WrestleMania. Then they were interrupted by Tamina who was eliminated first at Mania who then said that nobody beat her there. Nobody beat her. Everybody did, not just one person. So then Bailey agreed to give her a SmackDown Women's Championship match if she can beat Sasha Banks next week and Sasha was not happy about being volunteered for the match. And so literally the 27-year-long will-they-won't-they-teased feud of Sasha Banks and Bayley continues. Sheamus defeated Cal Bloom with a brogue kick. Um, little piece of trivia, by the way, given to me by Wade Keller um, from the Pro Wrestling Torch uh, newsletter and podcast. Cal Bloom, son of Wayne Bloom from the uh, Minnesota Wrecking Crew, from the... Uh, um, the uh, uh, the Beverly Brothers. So there you go. We also got a special uh, look at Jeff Hardy, and then uh, in the main event, we saw Braun Strowman defeating Shinsuke Nakamura with a power slam. After the match, Bray Wyatt interrupted via the Firefly Funhouse, and he set his sights on Strowman's Universal Championship. He wants that title back. He says that he brought Braun Strowman into this world, and that he can take him out. So it's. Interesting. I've been waiting for a Bray Wyatt Braun Strowman feud 
for a while, and this just seems like a good uh, a good setup, especially for Braun. I think you know having somebody like having to face the Fiend. I think that'll be I think that'd be really neat. And then there's just a lot of imagery again that you could use because Braun was part of the Wyatt family, and I think we forgot about that for like a really long time. We never really brought it up, right? That you know, ever since he became became you know the Strowman Express and like all this kind of stuff, right? And he was telling everybody, you know, let's get these heads. You know, we kind of forgot that he was a member of the of the Wyatt family, the Black Sheep. Remember, he he wore the Black Sheep mask, and Rowan wore the white one. So, anyway, I think it uh, I think it'll be a really neat thing. Just kind of bring that back. They can duke it out for Universal Championship. By the way, I'm a fan of Braun Strowman as a Universal Champion. You know, I understand Roman Reigns' decision to back out of WrestleMania for health reasons, and I think that was a smart call on his part. And I think it forced WWE to come up with some other storyline. And Braun Strowman is Universal Champ for right now. I think it works. It's great. And if eventually, if they want to put that back on to Bray Wyatt and kind of reset things later, cool. You know, let's go for that. That'd be fine. WWE Raw results. We got a video package about Drew McIntyre winning the WWE Championship from Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Then, Drew McIntyre entered and cut a promo thanking the audience for watching and noting the positive reception to his WWE Championship win. And after commentating a highlight video of his defeat of the Big Show, he invited other wrestlers to challenge for his title. United States Champion Andrade entered with Zelina Vega, who brought up when Andrade beat McIntyre for the NXT Championship. I loved this. I love that they brought NXT continuity in on things and that they brought it up specifically for this match because it's true. Andrade beat McIntyre for the NXT Championship. McIntyre was injured as a result of that, and McIntyre brought it up. He said, you took six months out of my career, and I think this is great, right? It's a perfect setup for a pay-per-view match. This is so awesome to, for the setup the next pay-per-view with this kind of rivalry, especially with somebody of the caliber of Andrade. Him and McIntyre would be able to build a great main event for the next pay-per-view. Nope, happening that same night. <laughs> so, I mean, we got, you know, we got Andrade versus uh, McIntyre, but man, we could have had a nice build, a champion versus championship match. Um, you know, McIntyre, you know, anyway, it happened later on that night, but this would have been a really, I was excited. I Like when this started, I was like, no way. This is so cool. How fresh of WWE to, number one, bring up NXT con continuity and to make this the basis of, of McIntyre's next feud going into the next pay-per-view. Not so. We'll discover that in a little bit. <laughs> the next match we had, though, was money. The, it was a Money in the Bank ladder match qualifier. Asuka defeating Ruby Riot by submission. Then we had, from the VIP lounge, MVP announced three Money in the Bank qualifying matches for next week. Rey Mysterio versus Buddy Murphy. Alistair Black versus Austin Theory, who, man, made the leap from NXT like one for one hot minute all the way to the Raw roster. Good for him. Apollo Crews versus MVP. So uh, we're going to check out and see who, uh, who gets to be in this next round of the Money in the Bank. It would be really neat to get some completely... Honestly, this, I mean, Apollo Crews versus MVP, I could t take it or leave it. It'd be cool to give MVP one more shot. It'd be, you know, that'd be a lot of fun. But, you know, it, I, I think they are doing something with, with Apollo Crews lately. And again, taking advantage of the current situation to maybe build up some new fresh faces. Aleister Black defeated Oni Lorcan. Speaking of fresh new face, love this guy. Oni Lorcan pinning him after a Black Mass kick. 
Then uh, we had some highlights of Becky Lynch's match against Shayna Baszler at WrestleMania. Becky then came out, cut a promo on Baszler, and uh, uh, on and just talking about whoever wins the Money in the Bank contract. You know, just again cutting down the roster. Becky being the champ that she is, she's uh, she's ruling it on Raw. Then you had uh, Zelina Vega and Andrade cut a promo on McIntyre backstage. But then, before her match with Sarah Logan, Shayna Baszler was asked about Bass backstage but how she felt about Ronda Rousey's recent remarks about wrestling, and that Baszler didn't even answer. I'm wondering to myself, is, is, this, is this a thing? Is, is Ronda coming back? You know, how, how does all this play in, or are they just kind of using this to their advantage? Who knows? Then we had a Money in the Bank qualifier match between Sarah, Loga, Sarah Logan and Shayna Baszler. Uh, Shayna Baszler ended up being the winner they were really confused about who won this match, but Baszler ended up being the winner of this match because they showed her moving on, even though I think it was a disqualification. Who knows? Anyway, Baszler injured Logan by stomping on her arm, and the match was then, according to um, uh, according to the commentary, thrown out. But it looks like they still gave the win to Baszler. Anyway, they used the wrong word. They should not have said the match was thrown out because Baszler advanced. Are you confused as, just like me? Okay, cool. Just pay attention to the graphics, and that'll be fine. Backstage, we said uh, we had Seth Rollins saying that Kevin Owens crucified his career at WrestleMania, and so we don't know exactly what that means yet. Although, I think if you lose at WrestleMania, it guarantees you a title shot. We'll find out in just a second. Austin Theory then defeated Akira Tozawa with the ATL. Andrade, Theory, and Angel Garza beat up Tozawa after the match. And then did the same uh, fist bump that was used by Los Ingobernables over his body. So, um, you know, listen, the OC brought back the two sweet. Maybe uh, this, these three are bringing back Los Ingobernables over. Uh, so anyway, if you don't know who that is, YouTube it, my friend. Uh, clip from the uh, Drew McIntyre episode of WWE Chronicle played. And then we had Rey Mysterio cutting a promo backstage about money in the bank. If you could tell, like literally we're halfway through the show. I'm tired just even reading about it. Um, Raw really needs to come back down to two hours. That's just my uh, my two cents. Angel Garza defeated uh, Tahuti Miles. Theory and Andrade then entered the ring after the match. They and Garza then beat up Miles and fist bumped again as Vega looked on. The Kabuki Warriors, they did a backstage interview. And then backstage, Drew McIntyre cut a promo about Andrade. Then we got a Money in the Bank ladder and match qualifier. Nia Jax defeated Kyrie Sane with, with the Annihilator. Get it? The Annihilator. Gorilla press into a Samoan drop. Still looks like it hurts and could injure somebody. Charlotte Flair then entered the ring, cut a promo about her NXT championship win, mentioning her upcoming title defense against Io Shirai. Bobby Lashley defeated No Way Jose. Lashley was then distracted by Lana twice during the match and looked upset with her afterwards. Then the Viking Raiders defeated Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. The Street Profits and Bianca Belair talked about the Viking Raiders backstage with Belair telling the Raw Tag Team Champions that they got to get more serious about their challengers. Then in the main event... WWE Champion versus United States Champion Drew McIntyre defeated Andrade, pinning him after a Claymore kick. And after the match, Seth Rollins stomped McIntyre 
stood over the WWE Championship and then stomped the champion again to end the episode. You lose at WrestleMania, you get a championship match at Money in the Bank. Where's Kevin Owens? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure what they have planned for him. If you're enjoying Wrestle with Hope, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida and support their mission. Ability Tree Florida is a nonprofit organization that comes along overwhelmed families of children with special needs and provides rest, recreation, education, support, and training. You can go to donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope to support Ability Tree Florida. $5 gets you into the varsity club. $10 Helps you join the Legion of Doom. A $40 donation gets you into the Heart Foundation. Support one month of Ability Tree programming for a family. $80 gets you into the Dangerous Alliance. Supporting two months for a family or two families for one month. A $100 donation gets you into the new, 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 new world order. Support um, offers sponsorship for a support group for moms or dads of children with special needs. $400 gets you into the four Horseman that allows you to sp- sponsor a parents' night out respite event for one month. Listen, you can also go rogue, choose another amount, and you become a free bird. Want to thank you guys so much for your support of Ability Tree Florida. Check out donorbox.org/slash wrestle with hope. Now it's time to go and check out what happened this week in wrestling. History. So let's uh, let's go into the Wayback Machine to 1997 on April the 13th. ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling had their first ever pay per view in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, just a couple of the highlights of this. I wasn't an ECW guy at the time, but I followed up with ECW mainly online and through magazines. And so one of the things that always stuck out to me about ECW was some of the different and innovative things that they would do, okay? So let's uh, a couple quick highlights was this. The Eliminators, Cronus and Saturn, they defeated the ECW World Tag Team Champions, the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon, to win the Tag Team Championships. Then, later on in the night, you had Terry Funk defeating Sandman and Stevie Richards, who was in the BWO, the Blue World Order at the time. Defeated them both in a three-way dance to earn an immediate ECW World Heavyweight title match. Then, you had Terry Funk pinning ECW World Heavyweight Champion Raven to win the championship. Now, here's the thing that was interesting to me when it came to ECW. ECW, now I used to just be a WWE, WWF at the time guy, who then also kept up with WCW, NWA, right, back when they were in WA. I also kept up with AEW, uh, sorry, AEW, yeah, AWA, and then, you know, just some other stuff. Whatever I could get on ESPN or through syndication, I would get. I wasn't a huge ECW guy because I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of, like, the hardcore style or anything like that. But one of the things that I noticed about ECW, this may have been in other feds before, this may have been in other locations, but ECW was the first place I noticed three-way matches, a three-way dance is what they call them. You know, a triple threat match, right? Um, and, and, and you know, you would get, you know, a four-way. And they used to call them dances. Four-way dances, three-way dance, you know, all that kind of stuff. WWE kind of coined different phrases for them, like triple threat, you know, fatal four-way, like all that kind of stuff. But I didn't see multi-man matches until I heard about ECW and what they were doing. 
And I remember even as a kid, you know, I mean, this is not, not, not really a kid. I was like in college. I remember hearing about this and going, like, how are they doing this? Like, how are they even, how do three guys wrestle, right? Like, it was completely foreign to me. I don't even know why. But I just remember that being, you know, innovative. And then eventually WWE kind of bringing that into things. And now you can't have a pay-per-view in WWE without a multi-man match in it. Um, I'm still a fan of just two-man matches. That's the way I like things. But um, I remember that coming out of ECW, just the the multi-man match and the way that they would do things. Now, in the, on the same exact day, April the 13th, but fast forwarding to 2000, we got something a little bit different. This is a different piece of history when it comes to ECW. Now, this is already way later in life. In Indianapolis, Indiana, in the year 2000, you had Taz defeating Mike Awesome to become ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. At the time, Taz was under contract with WWE. At the same time, Mike Awesome was under contract with WCW. So, first time ever, a WWE guy pinned a WCW guy to win an ECW Heavyweight Championship. Cool piece of interest uh, of, of wrestling history happening on April the 13th. On April the 14th, we go back to another history-making championship win. Go way, 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 way back to 1989. You have Jerry the King Lawler defeating Kerry Von Erich to win the World Class Wrestling Association World Heavyweight title. Now, the WCWA not, was not WCCW, so it, was not w, it wasn't World Class Championship Wrestling. At the time... World Class Championship Wrestling had already merged with AWA. So let's think about this for a second. At that moment, Jerry Lawler was the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. He pinned Kerry Von Erich to win the World Class Wrestling Association Championship, again from Texas, so defeated him to become the WCWA Champion, then unified the championships to become the Unified World Heavyweight Champion, and was the top guy in USWA. So all these acronyms everywhere, right? So at the time, Jerry Lawler became a three-man, a triple crown world champion and unified those belts together into the USWA. So uh, you, a lot of times on online, you'll see these pictures of Jerry Lawler with three championships at one time. That's what that's from. He defeated Kerry Von Erich to become world champion basically in Texas, then he already had the AWA title, he unified them both, and crafted a third championship called the Unified World Heavyweight Champion, and uh, was the top guy in his own federation. So, there you go. Zoom over to April the 15th, 1991. You had a special edition of WWF Saturday Night's Main Event. 1991, coming out of Omaha, Nebraska. You had the Ultimate Warrior defeating Sergeant Slaughter, by disqualification, the WWF Tag Team Champions at the time, the Nasty Boys, Brian Knobs and Jerry Sags, defeated the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke. You got literally the two nastiest tag teams of all time uh, facing each other in one match. You had the Nasty Boys. Remember the Nasty Boys? Nasty Boys in WWE were way more cartoony than any other place that they were, Okay. When they were in WWE, they got really cartoony. Uh, you know, they used to be really kind of big, you know, big time brawlers, just real kind of threats, right? In WWE, no, no, no. 
these guys, they had a move called the pit stop. And literally the pit stop was one guy would raise their arm, the other guy would shove the opponent's face into that guy's armpit. The pit stop, ladies and gentlemen. The bushwhackers would lick your head. Yes, that's right. The bushwhackers would lick your head. Think about this in the in the era of social distancing. The bushwhackers and the nasty boys would fail miserably. Okay. The bushwhackers would come down the aisle. And, and you guys know how to do the bushwhacker walk, right? The arms would go up and down and all that. And they would go, yo, yay, right? And they would just would grab each other and they were just super close, right? And then they would grab kids in the in, on the aisle and they would lick their heads. Let me just explain this to you as a survivor of this incident. Back in 1991, I was a kid at the Miami Arena at a house show that would run to the aisle just to get a high five from one of his favorite wrestlers. In that same moment, as I'm getting high fives from wrestlers, I run down to the side, and it's the bushwhackers who come down. And I got my head put into a headlock and had the side of my head licked by one of the bushwhackers. Butch or Luke, I'm not quite sure which one, but I'm a survivor of a head licking from the bushwhackers, guys. And, uh... It's, uh, it's kind of true. They do smell like sardines. So anyway, two nastiest, the nastiest, nastiest, grossest tag teams right there, the Nasty Boys and the Bushwhackers. Ted DiBiase with Sensational Sherry um, and Brett the Hitman Hart, they fought to a double countout on Saturday night's main event. Then you had the Mountie pinning Tito Santana. And in the main event, you had the Intercontinental Champion, Mr. Perfect, who won a 20-man battle royal, defeated all those men so he could be the perfect battle royal champion. We're going to fast forward to one more event, and uh, that is in 1994, April the 17th, WCW Spring Stampede, Chicago, Illinois. This was a fun, fun card and also a really interesting time in WWE history. So the whole time, op- the whole thing opened up with Johnny B. Bad pinning Diamond Dallas Page, uh, who had the Diamond Doll with him. So the Diamond Doll was his wife, Kimberly. This all is before Diamond Dallas Page hit it big as the WCW World Champion and all this kind of stuff. He literally is getting his, ba- his big break in wrestling again, just kind of after breaking out from being a manager. Johnny B. Bad. Also, way over, like like the kids loved Johnny B. Bad for some reason, um, and so he you know pins uh, Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Doll. Then you have uh, this is right at those moments I think where yeah like Johnny B. Bad wins over the Diamond Doll and she becomes Kimberly, and then Kimberly joins Johnny B. Bad for a while, and then after that she becomes a Nitro Girl. Then you had the WCW World Television Champion Lord Steven Regal. With Sir William with him, they fought Brian Pillman to a 15-minute time limit draw. Oh, remember I was talking about these guys? They're back. WCW World Tag Team Champions, the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags. Gross, still, defeated Cactus Jack and Max Payne, who were not any cleaner in a Chicago street fight to retain the Tag Team Championships. You know, the uh, WCW United States Heavyweight Champion, Steve Austin, with Colonel Robert Parker defeating the Great Muda by disqualification. And then, these uh, th- these last couple of matches were really interesting. Sting 
pinned Rick Rude to win the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. Okay? Then you had WCW World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat fight to a no contest to a double pin. Then the title was vacant because of that finish. This is the interesting thing. The championship that Ric Flair was wearing at the time was the WCW... um, It was... Literally, the championship that was used by WCW between 1991 and 1994, okay? And it kind of looked like a different, kind of less detailed version of WWE's Winged Eagle championship, okay? Then, Sting winning the... Rick Rude actually had won the WCW International World Heavyweight Championship. The reason why this was brought out was because this was the big gold belt. The big gold belt had returned to WCW because Ric Flair, remember when he had taken it to WWF? And then Rick, then WCW won the rights to the belt back, right? They won the belt back in a lawsuit with Ric Flair. Well, WCW at some point said, well, we got to use this belt now. Like, we have it. We fought for it. Now we have to use it. So then they basically created two world championships for a very short amount of time which reminds me of the period of time where, you know, here we are now, right? Still with two world championships. WCW started this back in the day, and I think it was just really a way to get out of a legal loophole, and, uh, and it became a bigger thing. Eventually, the international world title and the WCW world title were merged into one, and it was the big gold belt, as it should be. So that's what happened in this week in wrestling history, and I uh, can't wait to take a look at some more stuff that has happened in the month of April. But let's jump right into the Wrestle With Hope Word of the Week. We're going to talk about the Word of the Week, Others. Others is the word. Let's jump into uh, the book of Matthew, chapter, uh, sorry, the book of Mark, cha- book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 onward. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is most important? Then he said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Others, others. See, when Jesus is asked what's most important, he says, love God and love others. We're in this day and time where we're being asked to stay home. We're in this day and time where we're being asked to uh, uh, cover up our mouths when we go out you know, in public, to take precautions. And sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of like mock the precautions. But, and, and you know, I talked to somebody you know, just the other day, and they said, oh, well, I'm not going to get sick. I'm okay. And it's like, listen. This isn't about you getting sick. This is about other people getting sick. This is about taking care of others. This is about respecting others. This is about loving others. This is our opportunity to be a good neighbor. Let's do it together by loving others. So to me, when I go out and I wear my cool Spider-Man you know, mask that was sewn for me, um, I wear it because not just for me to prevent me from being sick, but because I care about, number one, my loved ones. I care about the people I come home to. But then number two, I care about the people that I don't even know because I don't want anybody to you know, have to deal with 
you know, this sickness or this virus or to pass it on to other people who might be susceptible. It's not about me. Putting on a mask, washing my hands, and all this kind of stuff, it's not about me. It's about loving others. I'm fulfilling the greatest commandment when I do that. Russell with Hope, word of the week, others. Let's put them before us. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. Feels great to be back in, uh, inside uh, the studio, which is uh, kind of a uh, underground bunker uh, right now. But listen, I want, I want to encourage you. Contact us. Leave us a voicemail. 352-340-3648. Reach out to us on email, wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, all the same, at wrestlewithhope. Supportability Tree Florida. If you enjoyed the podcast, at donorbox.org slash wrestlewithhope. I want to say a big thank you to Josiah Williams for his song, Number One Contender, as our theme song. Follow him at J. Dean Williams and Wrestle and Flow. Thank you to artist Greg Goslin for following for our artwork. Follow him for more great art at Greg Goslin on Instagram to see all the amazing stuff he puts together. Guys, this is Wayne Cordova signing off. And remember, if God is for you, who can dare stand against you? So long from the Sunshine State.